Hey everybody, um, welcome, Ramey here. And so today I'm gonna talk about several different things. I'm gonna talk about, you know, I wanna talk about what's been happening with me uh, over the last five to six weeks as I've been uh, quarantined. I wanna talk about what's been happening in education, that's in higher ed, and you know, my university, other universities, as well as K to 12. Um, and I also want to talk about what kind of the state of the United States, what's been happening in the world, things I've been noticing, stuff like that. All right. So first of all, um, let's talk about, I guess to start, I will talk about kind of what's been happening in higher ed, things I've been noticing in colleges and stuff like that. Um, so first of all, the big, 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 um, thing that's been talked about is hiring freezes what's happening in the summer what's happening in the fall semester are colleges how are colleges going to be affected by what's happening um so first of all there are a lot of colleges who are now doing hiring freezes most so the state of higher ed since 2008 2009 a lot of colleges hasn't, haven't necessarily recovered from where they were. Um, in some places, student enrollment is down. That's for a number of different reasons, whether there's not enough students, you know, there's a, a million different reasons for enrollment being down at a university. So some colleges have not recovered their student numbers in the last 12 years. Additionally, states never increased the funding that students lost. Um, so there was that. So, you know, schools never got their enough funding and they never got enough students. So some schools have been financially in bad shape and this is just kind of like push them over the edge, you know. So there, you're going to see that. And so that I'm not like blaming coronavirus for that whatsoever. What coronavirus is doing, though, is a very interesting thing to universities. So first of all, so I mean, I can tell you like from a university standpoint, like, you know, one of the things I'm hearing from colleagues, friends, different people out there is like, so take just for example, like a service that a university provides, like housing. A lot of universities had to give the students money back from housing. Unfortunately, what happens is just like a person who owns a house, the university still has to make payments on those dorms that they own. So what happens is, and they still have to pay to like keep you know, air running in them and certain things like that and pay for them to be clean. And what happens is the university is now footing that bill and they're not getting the student money in. So there's like this, you know, money that is being spent without bringing something in. So that's going to affect universities and have a ripple effect. What that ripple effect is going to be is going to differ from every, differ on every university. Um, I know someone interviewing right now at a university and basically they were told there's a hiring freeze and that they're you know they're not going to be doing anything as far as like the hiring right now so there's a hiring freeze at that university but my university we do not have a hiring freeze obviously we're not going to be applying for new positions right now but i'll talk about that in a second but any position that we were hiring for we're continuing moving forward hiring for that person um so one of the reasons we wouldn't be applying for new positions is basically we don't know what the effects of this are going to be. So we don't want to, 
we don't want to spend money right now that we're not sure we're going to be making. You know, it's just like, you know, a company doing research and development. You don't want to do research and development if you're pretty unsure of the market, what the market's going to be like. You do research and development to create something when you're sure the market's going to be good for something. Same thing with the university. This operates the same as any other business in that regard. So nothing like unusual or different there. Um, so, you know, you're going to start seeing like these effects in higher ed over the next, as we work through coronavirus, what's going to happen. Um, one of the things I noticed in 2008, 2009 is when people are out of work, like what's happening right now, usually that's a good chance for people to go back to school, change careers and get into a field that is actually happening right now. Because there are tons of fields where people are actually working right now, mine being one of them. Um, so you have that happening so you're you're gonna have that happen um and it's one of the interesting things i i wonder and i question universities are they going to start appreciating like it's kind of funny the highest paid person at any university across the united states is guess who it's not even the president football coach basketball coach at my university it's the basketball coach what's funny is the university is going to be paying those salaries and guess what the sport's not even happening. It's kind of ridiculous in my opinion. Um, but they're paying those salaries and this isn't even going to happen. So, you know, it's something that universities need to think about is what keeps the universities running is the faculty and the faculty bringing in students. So who should be making the most money? It should be the faculty. You know, it shouldn't be all the things we're realizing we don't need all of a sudden. Okay, so that's like state of higher ed what's happening it's kind of scary we're in like this um phase where like of uncertainty where we don't really know what's going to happen i can tell you my university personally is in a good is in good shape financially um you know our numbers are actually up for in all of our uh, in undergrad and graduate our numbers are up and doing well um and uh you know, so we're in good shape financially as far as the university goes, but other universities are not. I always tell people, you know, one of the reasons my university is not going to have the, the student population problems that other universities do is because my university is at the beach. So, like, students want to come here for the location. You know, if your university's in, like, the middle of nowhere, why are students going to, like, who wants to go to the middle of nowhere? Like, I don't, I want to go, I, when I was 18 years old, I wanted to go live in a city or live at the beach or an ocean or something like that. Like, that's where I wanted to live. So you have to, like, think about that kind of stuff when you're talking about, like, university location and things like that. Okay, um, on to the next point, which would be K-12. to So my kids are in K-12, to um, and I've been kind of seeing what's happening, you know, talking to teachers and trying to get a take on what's happening, at least in my state. And it's really interesting. So my students are not my kids, not my students, my kids, they are my students kind of right now, um, are doing homeschool. Well, I mean, you know, online school with their teacher. Their teacher's been providing them lessons. The teachers are doing their best to figure out how to teach the kids online, um, me and my wife are having my kids probably do like two hours of schoolwork per day. That's first and third grade. That's probably a, 
I, and I'm just guesstimating. Maybe it's a little less and a little more some days, but that's about what they're doing. Right now, it's actually raining outside, so it's lunchtime. We're letting them like run around, release their energy. You might even hear them like screaming in the background downstairs. I'm upstairs in my office. It's loud sometimes. That's that's quarantine. Like you can hear my kids. Like that's what's happening. They're not out of the house all day long like normal. And that's probably going on in a lot of families. Like I feel bad for families that have a bunch of little kids right now. At least my kids are old enough to like not need to necessarily be watched 24 seven. Um, so you have that. All right. So, um, you know, the kids are learning, they're doing the best they can. They're excited to see their classmates. Like when we do, when they do zoom or something like that, they really, really like, see, they really like seeing their classmates. Um, Let's see, they really like talking to their friends, seeing their teacher, getting homework, and learning things like that. So as far as that goes, like, that's pretty good. Um, let's see. But, you know, we're very concerned about, like, what's going to happen the rest of the year. Like, are they going, like, what are they not learning right now? And I think my kids are okay because they were ahead. And I think they'll be okay to move on to the next grade level. But, like, what's going to happen in the fall? Like, that's something the universities are asking. Like, are we going to be online again? Like, I'm – and this will go into, like, me, like, questioning, like, just talking about myself. It's, like, the big question right now I feel like on people's minds is, like, what is – I feel like we're in an endless cycle right now. We have a new normal of being stuck at home and not going anywhere. And – there's like no end in sight. So like, when is the end? When does that stop? Like we've, and I guess I can talk about like myself and us as a nation right now as well. It's like, well, let's see. We have yet to break the cycle. Like we possibly flattened the curve, um, but like it hasn't stopped because people didn't stop. People are still spreading this because they don't stay home when they're sick. They are, haven't been listening. So basically it's like um, it hasn't stopped. So how do we pick up and continue when that happens? Because we don't want to like, I mean, you don't want to catch this and be one of the people that dies from it because you just don't know. So when you don't know, you don't want to purposely catch it. So it's like there's this state of uncertainty of like, when are we going to get back to normal? Like, are we going to find a drug combination that works to treat this? Um, are we going to the vaccine we know is far away so our best hope is a drug that treats it or that the virus itself mutates into a much lesser form you know we figure out how to treat it well prevent deaths bring the deaths to lower than the flu that kind of thing but we're way far away from that so i feel like everyone is in like this state of uncertainty and i feel like what that's doing is causing people to get impatient people to get nervous um people to panic and that stuff is never good. The best thing we can do right now is remain calm, you know, listen to our scientists, see what they have to say, and hope for the best. But, you know, I guess I can lead into what's the state of America right now. So the state of America, so first of all, the state of the world is that it seems like in some places like Europe, this is going down. In China, they're reopening. America, I have a feeling it's not going to go down, and I have a feeling that we are going to open up pretty soon. Um, I have some different thoughts about that, whether I think that's a good or bad thing. Um, 
kind of what's been happening is interesting, but so my thoughts are that right now we're probably at our peak. The issue is that we're at a peak with a significant amount of the population social distancing. We've had 40-some thousand deaths in the United States from this, and and that's significantly higher than you would ever get from the flu in a season. A high, like one of the highest flu seasons ever is like in the 40,000s. We've already beat it. Um, a normal flu season is like 20-some, 25,000 deaths. We're at like 45,000 already in like a month. Absolutely insane. And that's with extreme social distancing. So that's an interesting. When you start looking at those statistics, it's a little crazy. And I've talked about like how people don't really understand the models. And, you know, I keep hearing all these different arguments like, well, the models are changing and the experts were wrong. It's not as deadly as it was. No, actually, the experts were right all along. That's exactly what they predicted would happen. They would hope that you know, that their original estimates of the death rate would go down as we learned more about the virus. That was the hope, and it's coming true. That They, they predicted that actually very well. Um, and it does look like the virus death rate is lower than, than that 3 to 4% that was initially estimated, but it's probably still around 1%, which is a, you know, are you going to take a 1 in a chance, 1 in a 100 chance of being one of those people? Because those stat, stat, statistics only work for you as long as you're not the one person. Um, so that was predicted, and it's coming true. The models, as it's, every model is only as good as the data. So when we first created the models, we had very limited data. As you add more data into them, you get closer to the mean. It's, this is how all statistics work. The, the more, like if I survey five people and try to extrapolate like uh, conclusions from that, it, it's not as good as if I survey a million people and extrapolate conclusions from that. You get, the more you have, the closer you get to the mean. So that's how any model will work. Um, the interesting thing about the current models is that they're all predicting social distancing through May 31st. So if we stay social distancing for another oh man, five, six weeks, we only are going to have like another 20,000 deaths. And that's like crazy to think about. Um, and then what happens after that? So let's talk about like the whole opening up and stuff like that. Because there are people that want to, you know, there's a big movement in North Carolina where I am reopening and see, and it's happening across the nation. So unfortunately, people are panicking. And panic and confusion is never good in any kind of crisis. It's one, it's, like, I'm a prepper. I prep for things, and it's like one of the things you learn all along is you do not panic. And I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and I'm, you, one of the things you learn in wrestling is you don't panic. You learn to deal with what's happening and maneuver through it and work through it, and you're calm and collective and cool, and it helps you significantly perform better. Um, and that's one of the things that's happening is there's a lot of people panicking right now, panicking, and for good reason. I'm not blaming them for panicking. Um, I think that our leadership has done a really bad job of preventing them from panicking, which is why they're doing it. So they're panicking because they're like, how am I going to pay my mortgage? I don't want to lose my house. I need to work. I need money. I need food. I need to eat. Like they need these, you know, we know people, humans need these basic needs, these basic, have these basic necessities. Um, it's not like they're like, oh, I need to buy a new car for fun or a new, you know, motorcycle or a bike or whatever they're going to buy, a diamond ring, whatever it is. What 
but they want it. They don't want to lose their house. They know they need their business to be going, so they're panicking. So unfortunately, the leadership in our country has not set up a system for these to help these people. We've done a really bad job of disseminating information. Um, our the president, whether you like the president or not, is beside the point. Has been sending mixed messages um, about like just everything from the start, whether even the virus was dangerous versus not dangerous. And then now there's mixed messages happening about should we take this drug or that drug, or there's mixed mixed messages just all across the board. Should people be pe protesting? Should they not be protesting? Should, you know, the president has said, supported the protesters and said we should be reopening states and then went on national news last night and said we should not be reopening states. So there's lots of mixed messages from leadership and that causes people to panic. Mixed leadership needs to be calm, needs to be confident, needs to tell people that there's a plan in place and that everything is going to be fine. And unfortunately at the federal level, we don't have that. And what's happening is we're leaving it up to 50 states. Unfortunately, there's 50 states. That means there's 50 different messages out there for people. They're just hearing about what this state's doing. So instead of having one good, like, solid plan, we have 50 plans, 50 different plans for the same situation, and half of them are probably good and half of them are probably bad, or they're all probably okay, but we don't have one unified plan, which is a problem. Um, so it's we have a lot of issues with our leadership right now, not helping to calm that panic and telling people what they should be doing. Um, so I think that's a huge, huge issue in the United States right now, and probably other nations as well. Um, but we're having that issue in the United States, and it's making it feel like, you know, in my, from like, for me personally, like I'm not panicking right now. I'm not, I know that I do have a, I'm fortunate to have a job that is considered essential, any educator or nurse or policeman or fireman or, you know, plumber or electrician. Uh, jobs are essential and less risk um, but at the same time like there's this feeling of uncertainty that I have about what the future is going to hold because we don't have a plan we don't have a clear plan you know I've said it before I'll say it a thousand times if we want to if we if we would have just strictly hardcore social distance in Feb, mid-February stopped air travel into the country and all that stuff, we would probably be back to normal right now. But we haven't. We've not done a lot of things. And now it's like there's just this feeling of uncertainty about, like, are we going to go back? How's that going to work? And what's going to happen? We're, like, doing a big experiment. Um, I can tell you, me personally, that one of the big arguments is, like, well, if we do go back, like, it's your choice. You don't have to go out. So you're not going to get sick. So you let us do it, and it shouldn't affect you. The issue is it doesn't work like that. So, I mean, what happens is, so let's say like, let's say like my neighbor Joe, I don't have a neighbor Joe, I'm just making that up, decides that him and his family are going to go out. They don't care about social distancing. But let's say I care about social distancing and me and my family are going to stay in the house. So what happens is, let's say Joe and his family get sick. Unfortunately, that's going to affect my other neighbor, uh, Sally across the street, who's an ER doctor, who's going to have to now treat 
Joe and his family and potentially expose herself and her family now because they were careless. Now, what happens if Sally gets severely sick from this? Should she be able to sue Joe and his family for being irresponsible and not listening to the CDC's guidelines and other doctors? Should she be able to sue them for making a bad choice and basically catching this disease when she told them not to go out of their house? Now she has to, she's forced to treat them because she's an essential worker. And the, you know, the paramedics that have to pick them up are also forced to treat them. So it's like this, you know, this big, like, there's a system happening. It's not just like your choice. Your choice, whatever your choice is, whether you're staying home, going out, or whatever you're doing, is going to affect other people whether you want it to or not. So we have to start to consider those kind of things. Like, yes, it may not, like... If some, if I wasn't was a doctor, I would be telling everyone your choice to go out actually affects me significantly, because I would have to be treating you. So, your choice of staying home, yes, it is your body and your choice to go in or out, but your choice is gonna affect other people whether you like it or not. Um, so you have to consider that kind of stuff when we do talk about reopening. Now, let's talk about reopening. Um, what would I do if I was put in charge of our country today? What could we be doing differently? What would I be doing differently? I don't know even know why I'm talking about this because I guess it's for fun because it's totally not happening and it's not really fun because it's scary that this is the kind of stuff we have to think about. But what should we be doing? What do I think we should be doing as a nation right now? I think what we need to be doing is, first of all, I've been saying this since... I mean, I've been prepping for this since early January when I first heard about it. So it's not like this is some new thing. Um... I've been thinking about this stuff for months. First of all, we need to definitely 100% shut down all non-essential, all non-essential travel. One of the first things that need to be done, we need to stop spreading this everywhere. Shut down non-essential travel. That might even mean shutting down borders to states and just letting people need to, we need to, we need to figure out where the virus is that means we need to have significant amounts of tests. We need to form, whether that's a federal team, probably a federal team managing state teams that are gonna do what's called contact tracing, that are gonna go around and actually figure out who has this and shut it down. We have to force quarantine people that are sick. So you need to have some kind of penalty for people who have fevers and leave their house and go expose other people. There also needs to be a system in place to help those people with fevers who are stuck in their house for two weeks. So, like, they need to be able to get food somehow, so someone needs to, you know, give, provide them that. But there are all kinds of things like that that we can do. And once we can effectively, we have this system in place, we can start opening up everything. I mean, it don't have to be a slow opening. But once we have a good system in place, we can start talking about opening everything up. Now, my personal opinion and what I would have done is I would have been proactive to this virus, and I would have done that two months ago so that we would have never had to shut down. Unfortunately, we've still never been proactive. We're still not being proactive. We're still reacting. We're actually doing the opposite of reacting right now. I don't know what we're really doing. Nothing. We have no strategy. I would have waited until we were, you know, so I would have done this two months ago, but we did not. Okay, so... Um, I would still do it now. It's the only way we're going to successfully have an opening because if we try to open up right now just without doing anything and cases pick up, 
all of a sudden it's gonna we're gonna go back to square one and it's gonna be even worse and that's what we don't want to have happen um so you know i think that that kind of stuff makes us nervous i think people are just nervous they're just unsure i mean i get it like people are panicking people are panicking that they can't get to work that they can't have their job that they can't pay their stuff and our leadership is not doing what they need to do to make those people not panic. What could they be doing? They could be, first of all, providing information to these people that they're going to be okay. Just reassuring them would be a significant step. Not only just reassuring them, but figuring out how are we going to take care of them. You know, we passed this federal stimulus and I have tons of friends and businesses that got nothing from it or that lost their jobs that are getting nothing. It was a huge disaster, that stimulus package. We need to say to people, you know, if you're making a certain salary, you get, we're going to give you like 70% of your salary so that you can pay your bills, so that you can live while we're forcing you to be closed. If they want to force people to be closed, they need to do something like that. Anyway, I'm done rambling for today. Um, I'll be back next week to talk about more stuff. It's just, you know, been a crazy time, just super busy with work and everything else. So anyway, that's it, y'all. Have a good day.